0: In today's episode, we're speaking once again to Scott Perry. Scott helps people master the art of encore living, finding fulfillment, forging meaning, and making their life's biggest contributions after retirement. Scott's mission is to help others hear the heat, the call of vacation in their life's third act. Don't die with the difference only you can make still inside. And today we're talking about how your money is just your story. Let's find out. I'm your host, Khan. Let's get started. Welcome, welcome. This is Khan, your Money Mindset Expert. And once again, we have the amazing, the wonderful, the charming Scott Perry. Welcome, Scott.
1: Hey, Gurkhan. Great to be with you again.
0: Thank you so much for coming back, Scott. We had such a fantastic conversation with you on Friday Future that we had to have you back today. So, Scott, everyone's heard your intro, but please, in your own words, tell everybody what it is that you do.
1: Sure. I am an Encore Life Coach at Creative on Purpose, which is an endeavor dedicated to helping people that are 45 or older find fulfillment, forge meaning, and make a difference in their life's third act through some sort of Encorepreneurial enterprise that leverages the wisdom and experience that they've earned making a living and raising a family.
0: Fabulous, fabulous. And today we're talking about how your money is just your story. Now, I thought when we were discussing the topics, this is such a perfect topic. Not only does it suit our, our podcast um, series as well, but I think especially in, uh, I find, because I do I do talk to people, um, you know, from, uh, over 45 all the way to 70 to 80 I have to have clients in the age range. And I find that a lot of them have the same negative story and it actually gets progressively gets worse so what has your experience been with people progressively as they get older with the when the money stories
1: well i think too often we are living our money story completely unconsciously or at best subconsciously you know Absolutely. we are
0: yeah.
1: our stories about ourselves about our situation are informed and inspired by you know, first our parents and then our friends and you know, neighbors, society at large, and then we go to school. Uh, you know, we're, we're surrounded with more people that are informing and inspiring our, our relationship with money. Um, we live in a culture that makes money kind of the, the, the object of life. Uh, and it really takes, I think, uh, some effort and some intention to take a, a hard, cold look at what this money thing is and to um, call it up for what it really is. And, mm-hmm. you know, what it is, is it's a human construct. It's a story. It's a story that we, you know, that persists because we all, to some degree, believe in it, yeah. but it's, it's you know, it's, it didn't exist until human beings brought it into existence.
0: I think that's very important to remember, along with the fact that a lot of the times this story isn't your story. It was given to you and it was subconsciously programmed into you by your primary caregivers, mostly your parents, but whoever it was, it was between the ages of zero to seven. And they did not know that they were programming them to you because it was programmed into them. So this has been passed on from generations to generations. And, you know, unless someone actively changes that story consciously or subconsciously because you can do it subconsciously as well you know you just start thinking differently behaving differently you start learning different experiences and you just are like you know, start thinking out of the box but 95% of the population doesn't do that a small minority do so if you haven't actively looked at your money story you've actually passed it on in your experience I think it'd be even more relevant for your audience because they've passed it on to the kids and they will find, uh, my, my experience telling them this, if their children do not work on their stories, when their children turn from early 30s to early 40s, will have a, what I call snapback, and they will start reliving their life according to their money stories, which was given to them by, by yourselves, you know? And so this cycle continues forever and ever and ever. So... How do you first recognize this and how do you teach your clients that they have a money story? Because a lot of people who come to you, they're like, well, well money story? What do you mean money story? What story are you talking about? Why is this?
1: The folks, just just to step back a second, to because you said some, you shared some things that are worth highlighting and are yeah. really insightful, um, to which I'd only add, I, I believe that people are doing the best they can and they're Absolutely. doing what they, what they need to Absolutely. do. Almost all the time. Now, it might not really be promoting their health and happiness or yours. But by and large, uh, with the rare, rare exception of the full-blown psychopath or sociopath, nobody wakes up and says, boy, oh, boy, I sure hope I can cause some misery and suffering in someone's life today. Um, My parents, I grew up in the 60s and 70s in the very middle of the middle class you know when the middle class actually still kind of existed here in the united states and you know although we never wanted for anything there was a lot of scarcity uh mm-hmm. kind of promoted around money you know and i don't discredit my parents at all for that my, no. my father worked very hard to provide um you know us in safe neighborhoods and nice houses and cars that you know stayed tuned up and and running so just want to kind of highlight that now to your question about you know how do you help people see their money story and see how it is actually inhibiting their flourishing I think again it begins with what you were saying earlier we our, our system <laughs> is built on status and salary, right? Mm-hmm. We, we are creatures. Well, all human beings are two contradictory things at the same time. We like to fit in. We like to know where we stand and what's expected. So our status stories are often around, how do I stay right where I am? Because even if it's not the happiest or healthiest place, I I understand what to do here. I know who's above me. I know who's below me. I know who's equal to me. You know, that's a very human thing. And we are also creatures that had this aspirational nature. We we like exploring the edges of our understanding ability we like exploring uncertainty and the unknown and these two things happen are being held in our head at the same time and we all have natural proclivities for being more one than the other and even though there's a lot of uh nature and nurture going on we also have the ability to take control of what's within our control. And so last time we spoke, we were talking about this. Mm-hmm. We can control, we, we can decide to frame our perceptions about ourselves, our situation, our relationship with things like money and start to look at them more objectively. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's one of the things that, that's probably the primary thing that I teach around money stories and all the other things that hold us back. Let's find out what's true. Mm-hmm. And what's true is what's happening right now without any of the adjectives and adverbs, without any of the value judgments. Mm-hmm. If you have a story that, you know, I grew up poor, mm-hmm. I've never caught a break, I'm never going to make, you know, more than my parents did, you are you are you are making that story true, yes. but it's it's not objectively true. Mm-hmm. And so You know, you can just begin by saying, right now, I am making the kind of living that my parents made before me. That's what's true. And if you start with what is true, then you can start to frame your opportunities and possibilities a little more objectively. And you can decide if you're ready to start living into a better story, a story that promotes your health and happiness. And... We talked about this a little bit last time too. You have to decide what do you really want? Because we live in a society that rewards fame and fortune. Mm -hmm. But fame and fortune are not inherit goods in and of themselves. They're actually just amplifiers. If you were a terrible person before you became rich and famous, you will be a more terrible person when you're rich and famous. If you were a good and giving person before you had fame and fortune you will be more of a good mm. person when you have fame and fortune so it's that's that's not the object that's just a result mm. that's not within your control that you may or may not get mm. and it it is a indicator of nothing really in terms of who you really are and if you decide instead that you want to put prosperity first i think that's a different that's different than profitability. Mm-hmm. Prosperity means that you you, you're, you have a life that is filled with joy, connection, love, gr- gratitude for all that you already possess, a generous, compassionate spirit doing what you can, when you can with and for the people that are around you. That's a prosperous life. And if you pr- put prosperity, a, a greater sense of prosperity in front of the profitability, I think it's possible to get both, if that's what you want. But if you put prosperity first, you will be on the path to be cu- to to cultivating the content of your character and to becoming a better person. And so, if and when profitability comes, you will be one of those people that is amplifying the better angels of your nature.
0: Mm. I think, I think one of the major things that people uh, struggle with when it comes to money stories is understanding the paradigms. A lot of the times we are so blinded uh, by our money stories and we have these set paradigms, we don't realise they are paradigms. And so it's literally walking around with these, um, you know, these uh, tinted glasses, not being aware that they are tinted. So I think the first awareness that I, I would have thought that you would bring into them is make them aware <laughs> they are walking with these tinted glasses, good or bad. It's not, that's the judgment call for later. How it got there is, is, it's not up for discussion. It's They're there and for them to recognize, because you can't give them that awareness. They have to have awareness from themselves that they are walking around with these preconceived ideas yeah, which is actually um you know dictating what they actually see in life because remember because of these are paradigms and with the, our perception of the, how the world works we may or may not see opportunities a lot of the time especially if you the people are used to i mean i don't listen to the news at have for you know a good 20 30 years but if you're one of those people who has to listen to the news and it's, it's, it's daily fed this this fear mongering and everything's going to pots so and the You know, the crypto markets crash and it's all a fraud and the stock market is crashing and the property prices are going high and the inflation. You're you're literally fed all these lines like, my God, how am I going to afford my bread tomorrow? Forget anything else. Yet, if you take a step back and realize these are just economic cycles and it's, it's been there all along and there is a reason for it and, you know, you can always get through it you would have a calmer perception about what's going around the world It's when we feel really out of control like everything's out of my control i don't control the prices i don't control the petrol prices which everyone's talking about but we all we can control is ourselves and how we view the world what you know what do you think of that
1: yeah well one it's you've almost exactly illustrated a process that 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 we teach all the time in the work we do at Creative On Purpose and what I do as an Encore Life Coach, which is uh, we call it Notice, Name, Navigate. The first thing you have to do is bring your consciousness into the conversation and you have to see that there's something amiss. You have to notice that there is something going on that is not promoting your health and happiness. Mm -hmm. Once you notice that, once you brought your awareness to it, then you need to name it in a way that is objective, fair and true. Mm. Get rid of the adjectives and adverbs, get rid of the value judgments. It's something that is happening. That's all it is. And once you objectively name it, you can also start to objectively see the opportunities in whatever obstacle you're facing. And you can decide to navigate it with intention, with integrity, and do that in a way that aligns with who you really are. Leverage what you're really good at and do it with and for the people, you know, that are around you where you really belong. And so, yes, to your point, it's hard. That first step is the hardest step, right? Because we would rather one of the stories that you and I probably hear most frequently is the victim story. Yeah. This, is, this is happening to me. Mm-hmm. Life is happening to me, to which I always tell people, well, that's that is true if you want life to be happening to you life will continue to happen to you but if you want life to happen through you Mm. you need to become an active agent in your destiny we were talking about this a little bit in our last conversation you know this where you and i are kind of aligned we just use different words you you know you and 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 i'm losing the, the actual name is the manifesting I call it destiny, and this Mm -hmm. comes again from, we talked about Stoic philosophy in our last conversation. The Stoics believed that everything was unfolding the way it was intended to unfold, Mm -hmm. that life is causal. Now, something that you said last time, that may sound like it, it invites people to take the lazy way. Well, if life is, if destiny is going to happen, why don't I just sit back and wait for it to happen? Yeah. If I put my abundant thoughts out into the universe, why don't I just sit and wait for the universe to reward me for having a thought? Right. That's not the way it, it works because destiny is, is unfolding. But the moment that you're in, although a faded moment, it's what was going to happen anyways. That is the moment where you can have some influence that is the invitation and the opportunity for you to build character and align your decisions and actions your perceptions with your values talents and your scene and you can you can then become an agent of your destiny and you can take the next step with a little bit more integrity and intention. And that's your reward. Mm. The reward is in the quality of your efforts and actions, not in the results. Those don't belong to you. They may or may not occur. Um, And if they do, you shouldn't exalt too much because the next step may end up very differently. And if they don't, you don't need to despair because you're in a new place where there are new, a new opportunity to frame your perceptions choose make a decision and take a bold step small step into whatever's going to happen next
0: i hope you are enjoying today's episode if you want to learn more about my mindset strategies and energy tools to help you change your money mindset then please register for my abundance mindset makeover workshop by visiting www.abundance mindset makeover.com see you inside the workshop i love that i love this idea that don't be um don't be attached in good or bad way to the results because if they're great don't be too enthusiastic about it And if they're, if they're bad don't or you perceive them to be bad don't be too you know despondent about it, it they, both things can change as, as as the case will be and that's how life cycle does work I'm going to go back to this idea that you, you've said about destiny. I, too, believe there are destinies, but then I, I think I'll go on a bit of a deeper level. I do believe there are multiple dimensions and multiple realities. And the way I see it is based on your actions, your thoughts, your intentions, your actions, you're pulling a particular reality to you. At any given moment in time, multiple realities are taking place. And based on your decision... I'm going to take action. I'm not going to take action. If you take action, this reality will become your destiny. If you said, now I'm going to sit on my backside and wait for, you know, my partner or somebody or the God to drop a bag of gold into my life," then this reality becomes your destiny. And so you're pulling your particular destiny to yourself based on your intentions and your thoughts, ideas, and your actions, because they dictate your actions. I think this is this is how I how I like to see, and that this is what I talk about, because I do believe there is, an, there is an unfoldment of your destiny. There is. I would not be here if there wasn't some superpower taking me here. There have been parts in my life which have been horrendous. If it was me, I would wipe them out. I don't want to go through those. But going through those has developed my character to its, it's, I think most of my character one thing people often say in my family, oh, she's so strong, she'll do it. Well, the, the point is, I had no option but to be strong, you know, um, and, and losing your mother at 21 was probably the start of it. But I didn't choose for my mom to die at 21. It was, it, was, it was destiny. I didn't choose to be in two abusive marriages, trying to be this good Muslim girl. and um, But that was destiny. And then that's when, you know, when, I, when you realise... There's certain paths you walk down, and but if I look back in in hindsight, the decisions were mine. I have to take ownership, I can't blame anybody else for it. It was my decision, No, no one forced me into the marriages. Yes, it was arranged marriage, but no one forced my, you know, put a knife to my head. I said yes for whatever reasoning, stupid reasoning I had, but I said yes. So it's my decision, and I have to deal with the consequences. But that also means. I'm responsible for my life right now. I think one of the biggest things that people like to give to others is responsibility for their um, life circumstances. My father did this and my uncle did this and my brother did this and my mother did this and my wife did this and my husband did this. And when we give that responsibility for our life circumstances onto someone else, we give away our power. And until we take that responsibility back, we're not going to be in a position to change our money stories. Don't you agree?
1: Yeah. Well, you're, you're, you're pointing to something that you and I probably share in the work that we do is that really, ultimately, our primary job is to help other people see, step into, stay in and share their power mm. over their thoughts decisions and actions Mm. it ultimately comes down to that and whether it's you know through the law of attraction or stoic philosophy or however you know whatever whatever story you're using to live a more bountiful flourishing thriving life you have to be the act the 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 primary actor right you have Mm -hmm. to have you know authority has the word author in it you have Mm -hmm. to take authority over being the author Of your story, Mm -hmm. and
0: I love that. I love that taking you know authority um, on in terms of being the author of your story because you are. We are writing our stories every single day.
1: Well, and and you know, you also illustrated something really beautiful, Gaul, in you know, in sharing you know the the story of of your being involved in two abusive marriages you are not absolving yourself of responsibility for being. And, and, you know, that's, I love telling people that shame is not is an invitation you do not have to accept. Mm. You know, we often think of guilt as something we, that, that, that comes from within and shame is something that comes from without. But I think it's, I think it, it can work. Both can work from the outside in or from the inside out. Yeah. We are often accepting the invitation to feel shame about ourselves based on what other people think or based on our interpretation. And you don't have to accept that. It can, again, it can be something that happened Mm -hmm. and you illustrated something else really powerful which is you can't get stronger if you never meet resistance. Absolutely. 100%. Building muscle, you increase the resistance. When you want to get stronger, you increase the resistance. Now you don't go from five pound weights to five hundred pound weights, but again, thoughtful, deliberate, bold, focused, disciplined pursuit of taking, of seeing, stepping into, staying in, and sharing your power. That's how change happens. Small, intentional steps taken every day committed uh and and done with uh compassion for yourself and compassion for for others you can practice compassion from the inside out
0: i love that i love what you said and i think this this is important element to remember because a lot of people have shame around their money too Um, they have this idea because if they've come because this podcast is heard heard by a lot of uh, corporate um people or or ex-corporate people you know people who put the corporate background and You know, we build, we have a lifestyle that we have to keep up the appearances and, you know, the dress code and the lifestyle and the cars. And a lot of people buy into those, those that false story. And so you have to have certain lifestyles, certain cars, something else, and then they get themselves into debt. And the money story is really, really messed up. Mm. It's, you know, uh, when they come to retirement, uh, you know, very few people actually have a good retirement plan. They've messed up because the money story has been messed up throughout the years. They have a lot of shame because they don't want to share this because they've been earning 200, 300K. And they're like, how can I be in debt when I've been earning so much money? So this shame around that too. And I share this because only you can decide if you're going to accept that shame or own it. I remember when I, uh, in my culture, because I come from the South Asian culture, for us to have one divorce is bad. I've got two. Um, And, you know, and I've got one child from each marriage it's like oh my god that's horrendous that's, that's the most shameful thing you can possibly imagine and I'm supposed to be the good girl I'm a good girl apparently um, uh, so how can I be a good girl if I can't have that anyway the point is the very first thing I did I owned it I went public and I remember my ex saying this to me uh, very very blatantly I, I remember, and I'm going to share the story he said to me after, because he cheated on me and I caught him red-handed and everything else and he, he'd been very abusive all these years His exact words were, and this is my second husband, uh, he said, even after everything I've done, his exact words, even after everything I've done, go, no one's going to blame me. Everyone's going to say, you got married twice, you got divorced twice. People are going to call your children um, kids of a divorcee who's been divorced twice. His exact words, exact words. So it doesn't matter who, you know, what I've done wrong or what I I did to you, people will blame me. And this, the sad fact of this is, now here's a sad fact, my culture, he's bang on. My culture, South Asian culture, bang on. Uh, Especially people back in Pakistan, India would think of that. So what, and I felt the shame of what he said to me, even though I didn't do anything wrong. I was like the, you know, the perfect wife and whatever else, Uh, I felt that um, because, you know, and the the reason why he said, because he didn't want to leave me. He wasn't, he didn't want to divorce. He didn't want to divorce me. I left him. He wasn't, he wanted to keep me and the other one. So I went public. I went on my Facebook and I opened up publicly to everyone. And I made it my, obviously I've made my profile public by then for everyone to hear. This is what's happened to me. This is what he did. I'm not, and this is my second marriage. And I owned my ugly, I call it. Um, owning the own, own thy ugly. I call that. That's what I call it. That this phraseology, own thy ugly. When you accept the deepest, darkest, most shameful part of you, especially when it comes to your money as well, a lot of people have. I mean, I had it around this marriage, but a lot of people have it around the money. As long as you can own it, really own that. Okay, I screwed up. I I made a business and I messed up hundred thousand dollars. I, I I tried to you know have this company ended up being a hundred thousand whatever. Whatever your most shameful element is in the story, as long as you own it, you take away its power to rule you. And this is what I find. Because I, I went public in, in front of everyone and I told everyone about it. I talk about it as a, without, because it has, I actually take um, pride in it. The fact that I've come out the other end of two, not one, two highly abusive marriages. And the second one was even more abusive. And I stayed in there for this reason because I didn't want to have a second divorce money. But I now see it as a badge of honor. It's part of my scarring. Like, you know, when you get a scar from something, you um, or a really deep but then you got a scar from it, like you can show, like, I've got a scar from it. That's how I see it. But I chose to see those instances in my life as those scars. And I can really show my scars of bravery rather than shameful scars. Does it make, does makes make, sense? What No,
1: it, it makes perfect sense. And one of the things that I have seen in working with, clients uh, is that it is often the the waking up that there is a a better way to engage with your life and uh, to, you know, find your true soul's purpose. It often is precipitated by a catastrophe of some sort. Mm. And, you know, there are some people, you, you know, any life worth living is fraught There will be failure there will be suffering um and those are also the opportunities for us to wake up and reconsider who we are and who we wish to become and you know it's very very frequently that someone you know is entirely broken by a situation or circumstance and they decide that they're not going to remain broken but they are going to become broken open and allow their their true selves to come to emerge. And I, I I think a lot about, you know, a lot of people use language around reinvention at this point in life, the third act, the second half mm-hmm. of life, whatever you want to call it. And I, I don't see it that way. I because I think we can, you know, we are very forward facing as a species. We are focused on our becoming and in the first half of life our becoming is you know, is determined by external instructions and validation in the second half of life if we're doing it right our becoming is based on internal exploration and validation and but we can't become our becoming is is out there it's in the the being, the right here and now that we have an opportunity to start to emerge into our becoming. But here's the thing that a lot of people don't think about is we also have the past, and we don't look at the past very often because there's a lot of often there's a lot of um, a lot of just sadness or suffering associated with our you know what we've been. Mm-hmm. But I I always encourage people to look back, and I mean. Of course, there are people that have had truly traumatic, abusive childhoods. But if you go back far enough, you can probably, regardless of your situation or circumstances, your upbringing, you can find some moments where you were fully and wholly yourself. Mm. You know, what were the things that lit you up as a child? Spending time in nature, creating, drawing, reading, telling stories. Hanging out, you know, there's – and if you if you look at the entirety of your journey, like we're, we're often very caught up in, in what's happening right now and defining ourselves, making all our decisions based on reacting mm. to what's happen, happening right now. But if we look at the arc of the journey, there's often a theme that we can find, a thread that unifies the whole thing. And I, I would encourage – anyone tuning in to think about that what's the theme of your life you know and what's what's the genre of your life's journey right because if you're if your genre is tragedy then you're going to live a tragedy but if your you know genre is action adventure then maybe it will be a little bit more fun and i think that's another element of this is we tend to take ourselves very very seriously often too seriously and I think having a sense of playfulness about the idea that, you know, that we get to do this, like life is a gift and we get to do whatever we want to do with it. And that there has to be an element of play because it's not always going to work out. We have to be willing to explore options, try things that might not work. And if we approach it with that childlike sense of awe and wonder, and if we try to stay connected to who we really are, which is we are social creatures mm-hmm. that have the capacity for reason and consciousness and um, have a creative instinct, we can we can define or we can at least become uh, accomplices and allies in our own becoming, mm-hmm. and we will have some control over the journey. Um, so, number one, want to applaud. That you had the self-awareness to own your role in the decisions and and the things that happened to you in the past and to not use that as an excuse to become the victim or to beat yourself up and stay where you were. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's a a very, very brave approach Um, and all too rare, especially for women in the cultures that you and I come from or Mm -hmm. live in. And, you know, this is the gift that that you're sharing in your work. Yes. And, you know, I think you and I both are doing work based on the interesting problem that we've been solving for ourselves. And that's how most worthwhile endeavors are built, whether it's as a young entrepreneur or as an older Mm encorepreneur. You know, what's the problem that you've solved for yourself and, you know, you are clearly going to be a chapter or two ahead of others. And how can you turn around and help someone else climb out, uh, you know, offer them a step up the ladder uh, so that they can start to emerge from what they've been and, and start to step into who they would like to be.
0: Lovely. Fantastic. I, I think that's absolutely it. You have you. We are, we're, all, we're, we're, we're lifelong learners and I think we, no one none of us can say we've arrived. We're just maybe a step or two ahead of someone behind us and therefore we know how to guide them and that's probably the best way to guide them, to come along and, and see what else is available out there because there is so much available and there's so much more potential but maybe they're lower down and they can't see the horizon from where we are. We're able to stand and, and sort of observe. But on that note, I think we're going to wrap this up. So um, any parting comments, um, Scott, about, um, you know, how to deal with our money stories?
1: I think the, the, the thing that I always return to around any of the stories that I'm telling myself that are not uh, cultivating greater health and happiness in my life is to take a moment to... Um, to express some gratitude for the things that you already possess. If you are listening to this broadcast, you have all of your existential needs covered and you have, you know, what you do with the, um, the surplus (laughs) that's up to you. And, you know, to what you were saying earlier, you know, take that moment to be grateful for where you are and what you have, maybe start to tell yourselves truer stories about how you got into the situation that you're now in and then set an intention for where you want to be and start uh stepping into taking empowering yourself mm-hmm. to be the author of your experience and take small steps every every day into that possibility but always I think when we start with gratitude then it's easier for us to be more generous to ourselves and more generous to others. And I think gratitude and generosity are two of the levers that will most promote anyone's sense of thriving and flourishing in this life.
0: Wonderful. Fabulous. And um, so tell us, Scott, where can we find you? Where, how can we connect with you on the internet?
1: So I'm very easy to find on the internet. Uh, if you go to creativeonpurpose.com, you will be able to learn more about the art of Encore Living. There's a free quick start guide if you'd like to grab that. If you'd like to get on a free strategy call to help define where you are, where you want to be, what is really in your way, and uh, get unstuck and start navigating through the challenges in your life, I'd love to have that conversation with you as well.
0: Wonderful. And so if you're listening to us on the podcast, then the links that Scott had just mentioned will be in the show notes. And if you're watching us on YouTube down below in the description section, rather, you will have a link too. Thank you so much, Scott, for coming. And it's been such an interesting, in-depth conversation today. I thoroughly enjoyed myself. So thank you so much for coming.
1: It's been a thrill and a privilege, Scott. Thank you so much for this and for the difference that you make.
0: Thank you so much. And thank you for listening to me and Scott and having a... (laughs) Really, really interesting conversation. I really enjoyed it. I will be back with another amazing guest picking their brains and finding out how you and I can build a better business. Until the next time we meet, this is GoCon signing off. Take care and bye for now. If you want to learn more about my energy tools and mindset strategies, then please visit my website,